Hello, welcome, and you are listening to Sean Bennett on Psychics and Sidekicks. Yes, it's a tongue twister, but that's the title I've chosen, so I'm sticking with it. Today, I have a friend from Scotland. He's actually not in Scotland anymore. He's across in Grimsby, I think it is, Robbie. And um, yes, so he's formerly from Glasgow. Robbie has 40 years' experience, four decades of experience in paranormal investigation, and he actually now makes his own ITC devices as well. I don't think we're going to cover everything today, but I'll start by saying, Robbie, welcome and thank you very much for joining me. Hi, guys. Hi, everyone. Thanks for having me on your show. So 40 years, Robbie, what I'd like to do is just start by rewinding the clock a little bit and tell us when you first discovered your abilities and um, what you did to start to develop them. Um, well, as a kid grow up, growing up in the 70s, I didn't have any brothers or sisters, so I had a lot of imaginary friends. Mm-hmm. And then, like for instance, you get to a certain age, you kind of grow out it. But I didn't. And then when I was 13 years old, something happened that was witnessed by other people around about us. And I thought to myself, hold on, this isn't the imaginary anymore. This is mm-hmm. real. And it kind of, like a light bulb kind of moment because I was always into like ghosty TV movies, A shows and movies when I was a kid. Yeah. Like my favourite movie was Poltergeist. Yeah. Um, so I thought to myself, hold on, this is something. But back then there was no social media, there was no internet, there was no TV shows about like learning. And being a Scotsman, I'm a tight-fisted git, so I didn't buy any books. I just went to the library, loaned out everything I could and started researching. Then, as I was getting a little older, about 15, I started getting out, like, ghost hunting, as they called it back then. Yep. And then I realised there was other things I could do, just not, like, other than hearing and seeing, I was able to interact as well. I, I realised I was actually able to communicate with them, kind of thing. So about six or seven years went by a trial and error and developed my abilities and figuring out what I could and I couldn't do. Then people would say to me, oh, can you do, like, for instance, 1990, somebody said to us, can you do past life regressions? I'd never heard it before. Uh-huh. Didn't know what it was. I basically thought to myself, oh, I don't, I do know how to do it. And I was like, ah, how do I know how to do this without knowing how to do this? And it kind of confused us. So So with it, without training for it, you mean? Yeah. I don't yeah. I don't know where it came from, but the person said, Can you like can you give me a session? Then I just started saying the first things that came out of my mouth. Then it was working and I'm going what's going on here? I'm freaking myself out. I don't know about anybody else. Um, and they were getting results. So I went to somebody, I found like in the phone book, somebody did this kind of thing. Yep. And I was like, to them, right, can you give me a regression? I didn't tell them anything about myself. Didn't give them any information about what I did. So they put me in and they did it a totally different way from me. They did it like, um, it was almost like hypnotic state. Uh-huh. And what I got out of it is back in the 1400s, I was a male pagan witch that used to practice like grey magic. So it was a mix of dark and light. Right. And he used to do 
like other things as well. So some my interpretation is that is this past life memories was still in my mind and something activated which meant yep. I was able to retrieve these memories without knowing how I yep. can do it. Um so I could do that. And then like with mediumship people could um stand in like front of people and say, Oh, I can see a John, Jim, James, Julie. There's an old woman here with blue hair and people would stand up and say, Oh, that could be that's me you're talking about. And I'm thinking to myself, this is a crock of man's. <laughs> I mean it's like it's like pick their most randomest common names known to man. Yeah. So I knew I could talk to spirits and I knew people wanted me to communicate for them. So I developed my own way of doing that. Where I'll get people in a like a little quiet place where there's no distractions and I'll talk them through breathing techniques and I'll bring forward the spirits so they can see them, hear them touch them, smell their favourite scent and communicate directly with them. Yeah. I'd like I mean, to. That's still, that's I'd like to go into that. In, yeah. Sorry, mate. I'm talking over you there. I'd like to go into that in a little bit more detail later on. Yeah. Yep. Perfect. Yeah. Well, I've got a case I can tell you about it, kind of, I thought to myself, this isn't real. And mm-hmm. it was really funny how it turned Excellent. out. Yeah, that'd be really good. That'll be good. Um, so continue with the journey for now. Yep. So as I said, uh, that was that. Then, as I said, I do paranormal investigations. When I stayed in Scotland, I used to also do public events and um, like charity events where I would, hi- I would hire a location, bring members of the public in, and I would show them the way I would do investigations and get them physically involved. And um, then 1997, um, I finished my training and was ordained as a priest and an exorcist yeah um so i'll people contact me um if there's something happening in their lives they can't cope with i'll do an, a full investigation investigations can take between two months and a couple of years mm-hmm. to actually work out before you actually step in the door and do what you've got to do to help them out yeah that is a big part of my life doing that right and i well i think for anybody it's not something you're going to rush into lightheartedly is it and you know and without preparation so i'm not surprised at all when you say two months to a couple of years yeah because like when i did when i eventually started when i first started my training i was training to be a priest to start with yeah and the more i learned about the church i was with the more i didn't um, I, like their cardinal laws weren't in, in the, theologies weren't to my liking so basically I found out that there was other churches or other priests who thought the same as the church I was yeah. with then they basically um, they separated into different branches and created their own branches so I found one that was the same theology as me, completing my training. Then they found out my abilities because the church I was with, I'd have been burnt at stake probably for yeah. the things I can do. <laughs> um, so this church found out what I could do to, out of accident and they're like, that is right, do you want to train as an exorcist? 
And I was like, what? Wait, what? What? <laughs> and I'm going, um, no, I don't want to train as an exorcist. And they're like, well, tough, you're going to train as an exorcist. <laughs> <laughs> How long is the training for that? Um, I did a three-year course. Um, so if you see online courses for like three weeks, six weeks or 12 weeks, it's a lot of months. Yeah, I can well imagine. Become become an exorcist for seven pounds. Scroll down three yeah. million pages and <laughs> well, I didn't pay anything. But seven, yeah, I didn't pay anything, but it cost me three years of my life worth of studying. Mm-hmm. Then yeah. I had to go out and assist exorcisms with the other priests. Then it was I had to basically prove myself before they allowed me out and do it myself. But thankfully, I've only had to do five since I've been ordained. Right. And that, that's one of the things that I kind of find a little bit off-putting in some respects. And, and don't get me wrong, I, I like the help my house is haunted and those types of things where it's not all hyped up. You know, there have been other shows that have been really hyped up and just made a mockery of um, of what is actually, I think, a massive gift and skill set. Yeah. Um. But when they go in and they, they do these treatments in, in a house that they've been in, I guess the reality of it being on TV is you don't know how long they've been involved and how much research and and build up has gone into the time. It's all compressed into a half hour or an hour show. So lots yeah. of things probably have been accelerated by that. But it does give you that impression that they're going in and they're doing this thing over maybe a couple of days and then making the decision to treat the house or do whatever. And it kind of spoils it because even even me, with very little knowledge, knows that it takes more than that. Yeah. Well, with Ian Warman um, it, on Help My House Haunted, it takes, he's probably at it months before mm. the, the camera starts rolling. Yeah. Then he'll basically, after the, the, the episode's finished and everybody's gone home, he'll still keep in contact with the family to make sure. Yeah. Um, everything's okay and he'll continue to work with them until they feel safe enough to um, go alone kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah, um, that makes so sense. You, that makes sense. What you see on TV is only a micro fraction of what yeah. goes on behind the scenes. Hey, but it doesn't help when you've got other TV shows and certain American ones um, that are just a total crock nowadays and it's getting the Everybody else has a bad reputation. It does. I suppose the, the I classic example is, you know, the paranormal investigators, the mega skilled, and, you know, they've been at this for years. And the first bump and, you know, it's screaming and running for the hills. Yeah. It's not real, is it? It's not. It's it's an overreaction or they're actually in the wrong job. Well, there's, there's one team I cannot stand with a passion. And I'm not going to names. But Baggins rings a bell. Right. <laughs> <laughs> he is the biggest shyster on the planet. I don't know how he yeah. gets away with what he does. It sells though, mate, doesn't it? And in a in a way it kind of I know it sells, but it devalues the skill yeah. and, and the abilities that people have. And it devalues yeah, the passion of the people who actually do it on an amateur basis and put the heart and soul into what they're doing. And it's not just that, it's causing a lot of problems as well because you get people that are watching these shows going, oh, I want to do that, or oh, I can do that. Then they go out 
something happens to them, then it's people like me to go and fix the problem. Yeah. Yeah. Our friend Andy, um, he always talks about protection. Yeah. It's one of his most used words on any evening oh. is protection. <laughs> If you ask anybody I've been out with, they get um, that. The first thing I do is put protect protections on them. Mm. Then when we leave, I make sure they get protections as well, in case anything tries to follow them. Yeah. And but yeah. these the people that are watching these TV shows, they've they've not got a clue what can happen to them that is dangerous. Yeah. It it, it is a case of a little knowledge is dangerous, isn't it? And yeah. that was. To some extent, that's part of the inspiration for me doing this podcast is to have a little knowledge. Um, I've moved from being, years ago, from being behind the fence to maybe getting on the fence to then in the last nine months with Andy and working more closely with him and doing activities with him to being the other side of the fence. You know, I am most certainly on the side of the fence where I believe that, that, this, that there is still a lot to know and learn. And doing this podcast is part of my journey of learning and discovery by talking to so many people with all these different skills and attributes. Yeah. In well, the hope I that I can share people, that with other people. Well, the, the, the thing I tell people is it doesn't matter if you were, how long you're in this game for, whether it be a, like a day, a year, a month, a hundred years or a lifetime. If you were to combine Every piece of information that's been recorded, past, present and future, about the paranormal, it still won't be enough to fit on the head of a pin. We're never going to learn everything. No, so the, there's always going to be something else to discover, isn't there? Yeah, even until the end of time, we're not going to learn everything because yeah. the other side is not meant to be fully understood. Now, you said something there, Robbie. I'll put yeah. you on the spot a little bit. The end of time. Yep. The end of what time? Or the end of time for who? The end of time for humans, because at one okay. point in the future, the human race will be extinct and the Big Bang will become the Big Crunch. Like at some point, all the energy in the universe is going to dissipate. Mm. So there'll be no life left anywhere. I've studied astronomy as well. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It's an interesting thing, and I'm absolutely, whilst I say I don't really believe in aliens, per se, and, and again, oh. an alien is a concept, isn't it? It's something, it's a construct. It's not just that. If you think about how many stars are in the known universe, which is only about 2% of the universe that's been mapped, yep. there's something like, what is it, 100 billion stars in the Milky Way alone? but they've mapped at least um, 2 billion other galaxies, each containing about 100 billion to 400 billion stars. Yeah. Now, 1% of those stars has planets. That's still trillions upon trillions of planets. Then if 1% of them is in what's called the Goldilocks zone, then that's still billions upon billions of planets with life on it. Yeah, we already know some of the moons in Jupiter and Saturn have got microscopic life on them. So technically they are aliens. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so the, the, the aliens that I refer to there is, I think, a construct um, that 
somebody's made up to categorise something. But I absolutely believe that they can't just be us. No, there's definitely not. They can't be. There's planets out there with civilizations less advanced than us, and there's civilizations more advanced than us. Uh, yeah. And this is where the concept of God comes in because the Bible said God made us in his image. So what about other planets? Yeah. But if you actually read the Bible in the original text, it says God made himself in our image, referring to when Christ was born. Uh So he could have done the same if he went to other planets. He could have made a version of Christ on each other planet with the, the fact what he would look like them, so they don't feel left out. Yeah, it's another rabbit hole, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, I'm one of one of many. Season <laughs> one of many. Brilliant. I would like then to ask you to now just expand on that earlier conversation or comment that you made yeah. about your your very different approach to mediumship. Because it really fascinates yeah. me, and I've I've literally I've just heard a snippet of it, and I'm extremely fascinated, and I want to share it. Yeah, well, without giving anything away. As I, as I said, what I do is um, I do it different from a lot of people because the way I, I want to make somebody's experience as personal as possible for them. Yeah. Um, if you're sitting in a room or sitting one to one, and somebody's just telling you what they're feeling or experiencing. You think to yourself, hold on, are they just telling me what I want to hear? Or are they actually feeling it? You've, yeah. To me, again, it's being a sceptic. You need proof to justify what's happening. So mm-hmm. I spent a good few years trying to work out how to change it to make it more personal for the client. Yep. And I thought, why not allow them to experience that? So um, I've developed a way so I can channel my energy to them and they can see what I can see. Mm -hmm. They can hear what I can hear. They can sense what I can sense. So rather than me asking them to ask questions for me to answer, like, for instance, I was to do it to you just now, you'd be sitting comfortable in your chair. You'd be relaxed then I would welcome the spirit into your property. You would actually see them coming towards you. You would start smelling their favourite scent or aftershave. You'd be, able, you'd be able to feel their energy and warmth around you. Yep. Then once they get closer, you'll be able to see their full body apparition in front of you. You'll be able to hear them and you'll be able to talk to them and you'll be able to get a response from them just the way me and you are talking just now. And it's an experience what? that has I'm to be... I'm going to book a session. <laughs> Sorry? You said I'm going to be booking a session. It's an experience that has to be experienced to be believed. Yeah, absolutely. And so one of, my, one of my friends asked me if I could do a little tester on her website or on her Facebook page, sorry. And she doesn't really... Well, she's known me for a while, but there's some things people don't know I can do, even though... They, um, I've known him for years, so I always yep. keep little bits behind mm-hmm. um, for my own personal use. And I went, right, well, we'll try this. And she was totally jaw-dropped to what she's seen her viewers experiencing. And a few months prior, to it, I gave her a past life regression. And that kind of threw spanners in the works because it was 
starting to explain things that are connected to this life. Yep. That happened to her in a past life. And that's very relevant because in conversations I've already had with other people uh, for different episodes, and um, and they've talked about past life regression and how they feel that sometimes our blockers in this existence is not necessarily um, traumatic experience that we that we had 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 years ago, depending on how old we are, but possibly even hundreds of years, hundreds ago, of years ago when we existed yeah. as something or someone else. It's like, for instance, if you've got a phobia and you can't explain why you've got that phobia, most of the time you it'll click if you've had a past life experience something's happened it's caused that reaction to stay in the back of your mind because when like a a past life well people have had past everybody's had past lives so everybody's technically reincarnated in a way yep. and for every life we've lived we keep those memories stored in the back of your subconscious and every so often something will happen and one of those memories will reappear, and most likely it's due to trauma, and that's because he's phobias. Yeah, that's two bookings. Then I'm going to have to <laughs> get my diary checked. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and my wife Donna's mega excited when I told her that you were coming on, and that you yeah. do past life regressions. Um, I'm obviously I'm not going to give anything away, but she has a particular affinity with a certain era and she's she's just itching to get booked in to find yeah, out if, what, that's, if that is actually evident well normally what i do is i make the the past life random for the client but if she's wanting to go to a certain place um i'll let her choose the time mm -hmm. um it won't be an exact time it'll, it could be like a few years before or a few years yeah, yeah. Like in between kind of thing. Yeah. But she'll experience whatever it is she's wanting to experience herself. Yeah. And I'm not going I've to tell her about three or four, I've <laughs> done it about three or four times where I can actually pinpoint a location because somebody said, Oh, I want to, there's a certain timeline. So mm. I get people relaxed. And yeah. um, normally I'll just go, Right, you can see a light, blah, 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 and you go. But for People like your your wife, I would say, right, you're standing in a corridor, there's doors. I want you to pick the door. Your gut is telling you you need to be. And that yep. like when mm. she goes to that door, that'll take her where she's want to go. Yeah. And she'll be able to see, hear, smell, taste, and touch the environment. She'll be able to also communicate with people that's there. And She'll have a full life lived, so she'll start off as a small child about between six and ten. Yeah. Um, I spend a few minutes in that timeline just so she gets to know herself. Then I'll jump her five years so she gets to know a little bit more about her childhood. Then I'll just keep jumping up every five years until she's got the memories of that full life lived. Some people like to see their death. Some people don't. I don't force it on anybody. I know some regressionists show people them, like themselves passing, but yeah. I I think that's kind of morbid. So I I ask them prior, would you like to see it? Yeah. Then I'll bring them out just before it happens because I start getting a sense, and um, when the time gets near. 
that must be it must be extremely energy um I've lost my words now. Intent it must be extremely energy intensive for you. That's why I keep a big bottle of Lucasid and like a family yeah. size pack of Jaffa cakes, Andy, because the chocolate, the sugar <laughs> <laughs> is what gets your levels back up. Yeah, can't beat a Jaffa cake, Robbie. <laughs> I, I suppose I should save the biscuits um, biscuit contest of your number one biscuit for another session sometime with some some other topic because that could, as long that as could go on as long as it's got a chocolate coating on it it's for the sugar content yeah. to get your energy levels back up yeah fantastic that, that's really good um, you, you probably answered a couple of questions that I had in mind in, in your explanations, Robbie, to be perfectly honest with you. I've, I've really enjoyed you just giving me well, that. With your <laughs> Yes, but don't tell. Um, yeah, I've, I've really enjoyed those insights in, into those two particular um, yeah. skills or services that, that you, you provide, or the, the services you provide with the skills that you have. Yeah, I'll talk about that. Um, as I said, direct. Well, I call. I don't know the exact name to call it, but I call it direct spirit contact. The one where you yep. can like communicate with your loved one. As I said, I had a client um a few weeks ago, and it was paid for by a friend, right? So mm-hmm. again, I go blind. Don't want you know any information about anybody before I go in. Um, so I contacted a friend the night before. I'm going. This isn't right, and she's going what, and I went. I can see a guy wearing a cowboy outfit and standing beside a horse. And she's like, she's looking at me as if I need a padded wallpaper and some like pyjamas that burn <laughs> up at the back. And I'm going, this guy's wanting to go to your pal's house. How the is this horse going to get into the, the room? And she's going, what are you talking about? You're flat. And I went, no, this guy is wanting to contact whoever it is you're, you're putting me on and he's got a horse she's like ah, don't be stupid so the next night contacted the lady put her in and she's talking to her dad and I went can you describe what he's looking like and she's like he's wearing his favourite sheriff outfit I went what and she went he was obsessed with the cowboys and Indians when he was younger mm-hmm. and he would always wear the black sheriff like outfit with the sheriff's badge and I'm going, okay. And she went, oh. And I went, what? And she went, I've not seen that in ages. And I went, what? And she went, it's my childhood horse. I was like, you what? <laughs> <laughs> so after the session, phoned her pal back up and going, I told you there was a fucking horse. <laughs> Brilliant. That's, that's one yeah. of the best things that's ever happened to me. I was just going to say, actually, a... Well, two things, actually. I was going to say, it's, it's really nice to hear you say you were taken by surprise. Oh, because that's not necessarily something that you sometimes. expect. Yeah. Yeah. Is that, is that the funny story you were going to tell me? Because you did mention yeah, the story was, earlier. Yeah. yeah. Well, <laughs> I can't explain to people why I can do what I can do. All I know is I can do it, and for some reason mm-hmm. it works. And even after four decades, well, this is me close to getting my fifth decade of doing it, 70s, 80s, 90s, noughties, 10s, in fact, hold on, 20s. So it's going to the sixth decade, basically, now we're doing it. Um, but the, uh, even to this day, it still kind of freaks me out because yep. I like to know how things work. 
And if I don't know how things work, it kind of it plays with my brain. Yeah. So all yeah, I, I when I tell people, when I tell people, when people ask me, how can you do it? I go, I don't know. I can just do it. Something has given me a gift and I'm using that gift to help others. Yeah. I can totally relate to that in what I've seen and experienced uh, going to evenings with Andy. And, yeah. um, you know, he, he explains certain things and he says, like, I haven't had manuals for this. There's something that at a young age he realised that he had. He's explored and then developed. And, um, you know, he's, in some respects, certain things he's made up as he's gone along. But he's found a way yeah, of working. Yeah, some other path to me then. Yeah. Yeah. Then I've also started recently in the last few years building tech because I was getting fed up of getting ripped off at the company. So. Don't want another question. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and it's like you, you know what I'm going to ask and when I ask it and you start telling me about it, stop it. <laughs> okay then. So yes, what I was going to say is we, we are sort of, we're progressing time-wise and um, at a nice pace. And I wanted you uh, really to sort of tell us about your other passion, which is ITC yeah, well, equipment, ghost hunting equipment, whatever people want to call it. Yeah, well, as I said, it was like I've been old school for quite a long time. I didn't like using tech. And when my son turned 18, he became passionate about ghost hunting because he also has his ability. So I was like, right, you're old enough now, come out this. But because of all these TV shows, he was wanting to buy tech. So I started buying bits and bobs as I was going along. Then a couple of years ago, I bought some equipment and it was kind of after about six times of using it, it was faulty. So I contacted a few friends. They bought the exact same tech at the exact same time and theirs broke at the exact same time. So we're like, yeah, right, what can we do? So I, started, I opened it up and realised how dodgy it was inside and how dangerous mm-hmm. it was because when you plugged it in, you could have set a fire, could have caused a fire. So... I started looking at like tech and some of it would open up, some of it would just look at it and I would go, I know how to build that. So I started I started building it for myself just so it was cheaper than like paying like silly prices what you see on the online yep. shops. Then I started taking it out to investigate. And then other friends of mine, if we did double teams, they would say, Where did you buy that from? I went, didn't I made it? And like, oh, can you build me one? I would build them one, them one. They would show other people. Then the other people would contact me. Can you build me? Then like word of mouth spread, yeah. and I started and um, like a little sideline. I just building tech and selling it at knockdown prices. Mm-hmm. For instance, my, for instance, my biggest seller now is the the chain music box. Like I've seen them sold anything for one hundred and forty pound up to like eight hundred pound in different websites. Mine's has got the exact same tech in it as everybody else's, and I can build it and sell it for £85, yep. giving myself a marginable little bit of profit. And my prices are set on, if I'm not willing to pay that price, then why should anybody else have to pay it? Yeah, yeah. And that, that's a good basis to be on as well, isn't it? Is if, it, if it's reasonable for you and you go, I'd buy it at that price, and then it's pretty pretty laid on that yeah. other people would do. Well, if I'm prepared to pay for it, then I'm sure other people would be prepared to pay for it. Yeah. Because how can you justify like paying £800 for a music box? 
mm-hmm. and you can buy one with the exact same technology on it for £85. And the only difference is the casing looks fancier than the, the dealer one. Yeah. It's interesting. I've, I've always had a bit of a kind of a niggling question, really, for ITC, and it, it, some of the kit does fascinate me. And I wish I was brave enough to take it apart and see how it works. Which one? But I always have this. I always have this question of when you're building something to communicate with spirit yeah. or to react to it. How do you know that it's working? I give it to other people if you test it before I try and test it. Yeah. For instance, my first piece of equipment, um, I sold outside Scottish. Well, I stayed in Scotland at the time. The first piece of tech I sold outside of Scotland, I sold it to a friend who is based in England. Um, it delivered on their door on the Wednesday. They took it out on the Thursday and they, they did a, a live on Facebook. And I'm sitting watching their live and I'm sitting watching them using a piece of tech I'd built only a couple of days before. And I'm, I'm looking at the results are going, they're getting on it and I'm going, I can have built that because that's working. I'm going, mm-hmm. it's like one of these jaw drop moments. It was like the vortex. So like yeah. you could actually see a full blown face right in the centre of the vortex. Then it would dissipate. Then it, the same face was coming back and there was no one standing behind it. And I'm thinking mm-hmm. to myself, my tech actually does really work. So then I started building other things um, and giving it to other teams to test and they were getting results. So, like, I don't, I'm not going to blow my own whistle by saying, oh, I took it out and I've done this and I've done that. I'm I'm giving it to other people and saying, can you try that out for me? Then a few weeks ago, I took out, like, a new Vortex I just built um, and I gave it to one of my um one of my teammates to try. I mean, he he's just new to the field. I think that's was his second night out with us. And, like, we, we filmed it on camera. I couldn't see anything. Like, to me, it was a dead night. Then we went home. Then I'm starting to get my phones pinging. And they're showing me snippets of what they caught on the video camera. And I just sat there totally dumbfounded. And there was a picture with someone standing right in the middle of it. And I spent a fortnight trying to debunk this picture. And it wasn't the, the person that done the investigation because he was standing to the right-hand side. You could see part of his face on the, the photo. It wasn't my other team member because she was too shocked to actually be where that person was standing. Yeah. Plus, you could see her arm standing beside the team member. It wasn't me because I was hiding behind the person had the video camera and it wasn't the person that had the video camera because they were standing holding it and there was no one else in the room and even with that knowledge on me I still could not believe what I was seeing in front of my face yeah that, that's excellent I mean, it's, um, it's the evidence beyond reasonable doubt then isn't it that you, you can yeah, rule out not all, that, all those other things not only that a team, a, another team contacted me that a night later and said We've seen that person. I was like, oh, yeah. well, and like it was during like one of the the super moons. They went outside to the location to take a photo of the moon, and standing beside the door in the building, you can see like a shadow 
with the same hairline, yeah. the same shape of dress, and totally transparent, standing looking at the camera. Excellent. Robbie, I think that is a perfect place to stop for this one. Okay. I'm certain that we've got more conversations to have, my friend, and, and I've been absolutely oh, blown away by because the because I do other things I've not told, told you about yet. Yeah, that's that's awesome. And the only thing left for the listeners is to keep tuning in and wait for when Robbie Crossan comes back on with me. It's been an excellent evening. I've thoroughly enjoyed it. The time has absolutely flown by in the blink of an eye. <laughs> Thank you very much, Robbie. And as I say to all my guests and all like anybody that's watching me, keep it creepy. Keep it creepy. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Love it. Love it. On that note, thank you. And I'll see you again soon. Good night, all. Bye.